0: Okay, turn in your Bibles to Song of Songs, chapter five. More a than a preach. I would say, as I would explained at the start, it was it's been a it's been a difficult week. Um it was a service for much Paul much you started, Pastor War thirty nine year old, best of chums. Through the academy years, a few years after, it's tough. It's tough sitting there and other memories and things come back. It was just, and I can't if you ever mark as good a chums as you did after that stage, as at that stage because we did the crew together. We then went to school together, then went to youth club together, did the mushy together, hung out at the beach together. We were just very, very close. And an age before Facebook and stuff like that, you just had to show up and be chums. But it was peculiar going up in the north, the broch between the age of 12 and 18, our group of chums, and I kind of wanted is it's normal, the sense of humour that the Broch people here, I mean, growing up, we just used to sit, get each other into trouble, make a feel of one another, do, 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 do people still do or was that just our group of chums? I, my growth was stunted when I was growing up, and I probably didn't grow much more after that, but I was like the little norm of the group, and they used to say, how is norm economics? And I'm there uh, looking for sympathy, but it was, it was fun, it was fun, fun growing up, we used to get each other into trouble, things like that, you would get as good as you get, and then then you grow up and get people get offended at stuff in church life and things like that, so that was learned behavior for me, getting offended, but um, his family did amazing yesterday, little brother and his wife did a, a, sang Amazing Grace, and his big brother gave a tribute, so it was very, very sad. But we move on, and it actually makes you grateful for what you've got in your life and how God has done in your life since. Can I never ever forget just the beauty, the gift of okay, hand breath in your lungs? And if you made a mistake yesterday, you've got another chance today to put it right. So we've got to come around the Word of God. In Song of Songs, chapter 5, if you haven't been, where's the last few weeks? We've been gone through so- Songs. It's a tremendous love poem between a king and his bride. But we are ascending the hill of the Lord and looking at as a relationship between Christ and His bride, the Church. And when we say the Church, it's easy for you sitting in your seat thinking, "Aye, just the global Church are so that good people." But nay me, but you are the Church. God has called you to be part of His Church. He's ordained you to be part of His. Bride, and one day the trumpet will sound, and we'll get caught up. We have we didn't see him before. Then we'll get caught up to ham as the trumpet sounds, and we'll hear the greatest jubilee. We can't say jubilee year. We'll hear the greatest jubilee the world has ever seen. So it's a song we can pick out things that Christ would say, not just to His church, but to us. The theme this morning is the garden. has I've been gone through us the last few weeks, I've now just been doing chapter verse, chapter verse, chapter verse, and gone through it but I'm looking for themes, like there's a spirit saying through themes. Last week it was about the suffering bride, because the bride and the groom, they smelt of mour, which was a sign of sacrifice or crushing. We think of the nail-pierced hands of oh Jesus. And this week, if I just underlined a few times, it's this constant garden comes up, and we've got to read for chapter 5, okay? So, you can turn in your Bibles or your apps or whatever you use. This is the groom speaking. I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather mar with my spices and eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. And then the young woman at Jerusalem, we tell masses the sort of the voice of the church. Oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. And the, Then the young woman goes on. It's like she's in a dream. That this king, this groom, withdraws his presence, fair, for a moment. Verse five. I jumped to open the door of my love. My hands jumped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh, I pulled back the bolt. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him. There was no. Reply, it's a heart that has found rest previously, but suddenly she's in a moment that she doesn't feel the present presence or the groom, and so our heart starts to search, far is my lover gone, far is Jesus in this moment, far He disappeared to, I've experienced His love and goodness and touch, I know He exists, but far. I've never felt like that, far is He? There's a love that I can that he's got for his people that I can enter into. He seems to have withdrawn himself in an unknown reason. Verse 7. The night watchmen found me. Watchmen biblically as the church leaders, the watchers, the keepers, so watch over your soul. It can be termed intercessors as well. They found me as they made their rounds. And there wasn't much help either. They probably told her, it's your fault the groom has departed. You're not praying enough. You're not me church enough. You're in sin. For it says, the beaten bruised me and stripped off my veil. Oh, those watchmen on the walls, nobody could help this searching heart. Make this promise, O woman of Jerusalem, if you find my lover, tell him I am weak with love. Then the voice of the church, the woman at Jerusalem, why is your love better than all others? Oh, woman of rare beauty, if it marks you so special that the groom should come to you. And then the young woman starts to describe. It's like us describing Jesus. Verse uh, chapter six, it's the voice of the church again. It's a very reasonable question. She's on a search. And the voice says, "'Where has your lover gone, O woman of rare beauty? Which way did he turn so we can help you find him?' It's peculiar because this woman, the king is in his garden, she's there and he's there, and they're intimate and they're in love. She in the middle of the night goes into this dream and she's searching, she's finding their answers and hoping them is helping her. She's feeling battered, she's feeling bruised. And then the voice of the church says, Well, far is he then? Far is Christ. Far is the one. Verse 2 says, This. My lover has gone down to his garden. This again, he's gone, he's in his garden. his spice beds to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. I am my lover's, and my lover is mine, he browses among the lilies." After a searching heart, she realized he's actually never moved. Whether I feel him or nay, he's never moved. And it's important as Christians to realize even in the moments you didn't feel him, he's there in the garden, he's never moved. Being a Christian, I went through moments of dry spells, but if Omdi ever says to you, far God in your life? Oh, He's here. He's wema. He's in His garden, whether I feel Him or not But this comes up again, and the bride, through a question, realizes, I can't exactly where He's at. He's never moved a muscle. although I've been searching for Him, and looking here, there, and I, why He's been enjoying His garden. The question is, fit is the garden, fit is the garden of the king. And as I was studying this, we're actually going to go back to chapter 4, and it's the groom speaking, and in his description of the bride, listen, if God thinks of you, I'm going to read for verse 9, "'You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride.'" Could you imagine Jesus saying, "'Near the person next to you, to you. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes. With a single jewel of your necklace, your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. Your lips are as sweet as nectar. My bride, honey and milk are under your tongue. He says, i listen to what you're saying, and what Your are saying is good. The praises that come through your lips is good. How you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ is good. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. Verse 12, you are my private garden my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. You are my secret garden," says the Lord. In chapter 5 and 6, he's in his garden, everything's good, and the woman searches, she kind of find him, and she realizes he's in his garden. Imagine that God would say on your life, you are my secret garden, I've sealed you, and I enjoy walking in your life and the fragrance that you give off. Me and Isabel was for a walk, it was like the first sunny day of the season a few weeks ago, and we went to, ended up, we went up a bypass, went up to a, a streetcar, Alexandra Terrace, and then there was a sign community garden and pointing into this it was behind derelict garages. I've never been there. It's okay, community garden, okay so you go. So I went and then I found a locked door. And as I could see was this amazing garden but it was sealed. I couldn't get in. And I had a bit of grump. To Isabel, because uh, I says, Fit is a point of a community garden. If the community can't enjoy the garden, I think it's open for a few hours on a Tuesday. or You could phone out hours to get in. Well, that wasn't good enough for me because I'm a selfish guy. Ah, it's okay seeing a garden fair distance and seeing it was the best beautiful garden in the Broch, I would say. Near a sign of weeds or vandalism It's kept well. I was almost phoning Dorian Mert to get us sorted, because I was on one. Can I get in? It's locked. It's sealed. And I let it doing it across for a while. I never understood it to this week, why it's sealed. I never understood it. Now, it hasn't kept me up at night, because I've got other things to worry about. But I forgot about it and I read this. You're my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. I started thinking about the garden in Alexander Terrace and that I couldn't get in. I thought why? What you try to say, God? What's special about the secluded garden? Why is the garden in Alexander Terrace to be secluded? Why do we not just get to enjoy it? Why is it now an unlocked gate that we can go in and go out freely? It's because of this. That garden is set apart for beauty. You can as well as I do. If that door was open and it was unlocked and there was no fences, it would get destroyed. Am I right? If you transplant that hair garden into James Ramsey Park, a public park it would get just could Vandals would come in and people would go there and kick over the kick over the flowers, play football on it. Take great joy for it uprooting for one of planted. It's gotta be a sealed garden. Because the folk that is made it and put in the hard work cans. This is not made for anybody to enjoy. This is set apart. It's a security thing. And the people that put in a hard work want people to come in and, and enjoy it. And God says about your life, you're sealed. You're not made for anything. It's a security thing. God holds you in the palm of His hand and says, You are sealed. You are set apart. I've got you. And we can that the enemy is real, and it says a lion, that the enemy comes and roars, like a roaring lion, seeking to devour whom he can, that there's a real enemy that would come into the garden of the Lord and destroy it. That there's a thief It comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but yet God says, you, you're a sealed garden. I've sealed you off. there's fences run about you. I've padlocked the door. And Jesus says, you are bought with the precious blood of Ham. Paul would write that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We are sealed and closed in, we are a secret garden, we are not made for anything, we are made for Jesus. And he has bought us. we, His precious blood, snatched us through the fire, so that He could command and enjoy us. And I want us just to be words. Before you leave, I want you to get a sense and a belief that Christ enjoys you. He wants to be with you. He is a jealous compassionate God, and He thinks more highly of you than you do of yourself. He thinks better on you than your spouse does and your husband does and your wife does and your kids. You read the descriptions that He has got for you, and He says, you're a sealed garden, sealed you in. Christ is your refuge and strength. Before the enemy gets to you, it needs to go through Him first. And as he walks upon your life, and as he examines your life, he wants to see special fruit. John 15, Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The garden is not just about work, work, work. If you've been here a few weeks, we examined the attitude of the bride to start with. She's seen herself as a worker. I'm in my brother's vine. I'm treating my heart so I'm tired. It's work, work, work. I'm burnt. I'm bruised. I'm black for the sun because I'm so tired. I'm working for a new vine. She's seen herself as a gardener. Work, work, work. I've got to tend to stuff, do de- to stuff, to gain some attention, to get some love. And Christ says to you, I see you as a gardener. Work, work, work in the fields of the Lord. You're the garden. You're the object of His affection, that He would come and walk amongst you and see, smell for your aboot, examine the fruit in your life pertaining to Him and the gospel of Jesus for a place of rest and enjoyment. Springtime is here. Hallelujah. One day it's sunny, and the next day it's chilly. One day you got shorts on cleaning your car, the next day you've got a thermals on and trying to boost your heat and watching the price go up. Springtime is here, spring is in the air. It can be a time if you're blessed with a garden to work, work, work. We I mean, need you get a garden tidy. There's a purpose of getting your garden tidy. There's a purpose of working and weeding, and surely it's this so you can enjoy it, am I right? So you can't just have a girl, and you've got to have a deck chair, and you've got to do the stuff that needs to be done, so there comes a day that you can sit in the sunshine with your mocktail margaritas, and you can enjoy the creation that you have created. And Christ says this to His church, to you, you are my private garden, my treasure, my bride. You are a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. You're not created for anything, you're not created to flow with the world. You're not created to chase money, to chase relationships, to chase love and broken systems. You're not created to be greedy and to get as much things as you can before you die. You're sealed. You're created for Him and His enjoyment and His love and His compassion. And He works amongst you not as a stranger, but as a friend. You are made for Him, to share the joy, it's mentioned air about a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. I couldn't help but think of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that in this garden, in this capacity that I have, Kevin, and you've got your own capacity, that we also have the capacity of the Holy Spirit that we're sealed with, that Christ comes and dwells within us. And God says, within this secret garden, I've put a sp- secret spring and a hidden fountain and I was thinking that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and did not throw apples at man tomatoes for us. It's not for the world. You didn't find them in the world. He's a secluded fountain within the believer. He's bursting to go to reach the generations, to reach the world, to go on mission, to see people saved and to see people healed and delivered. But you didn't find the presence of the Holy Spirit in places of the world. It's a secluded spring, it's a hidden fountain. You find it at church, you find it in the believer, it you find Him, you find God, for God's people meet, you find God, for God's people are a secluded spring. It's ready for that spring to burst forth, yet it's given to the church on the day of Pentecost as a gift. For my, I to carry God? For you to carry God? They're good enough. They're perfect enough that God says, Look, you are my garden. You are my treasure. You're my secret. A secluded spring, a hidden fountain. My prayer is that as Christ enjoys us, we would enjoy him. But I'm not sure I've missed us a lot in my Christian life. That I've gotten that I enjoy Jesus, love Jesus. I've struggled and battled with that Christ would enjoy me, and Christ would walk into my life and describe me. But yet, you read the fruit, the truth, and the gospels and the letters, the faith statements that Christ would see you as blameless and spotless, and you say no. I've got blame, and I'm spotted, but Christ says no, and it's to deal with the work of the cross. And we get the work of the cross that our sin and shame was put onto Christ, and it was horrific, and it was brutal, and it was to pay the price for our sin and shame for our eternity if we would believe the truth in that. But do you also believe that His righteousness and His story and His blamelessness was put onto you? When you became a believer through faith. It's called righteousness imparted. Because sinful people would never get into heaven and they obtain nothing to do our relationship with God. We can only have a relationship with God if He looks at us and sees redemption and spotlessness and blamelessness. And I can how you feel. You feel that's near me. I've got my faults. I've got my hang-ups, I've got my sins, I've got my shame, oh, the wonder of the cross, the power of the cross, that God would see you willing to take all your sin and shame. But Christ, the sinless one, the spotless one, the Lamb, a God that was to become an eternal sacrifice, the Lamb's book of life, His life went on to you before God. Wow. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? It's what the Bible says. I'm not asking you to agree with my opinion of what the Bible says. I am telling you what the Bible says, that God looks at you as spotless and blameless because Christ's righteousness has been put on to you as your sin was put on to Him. And I end with this. I don't want to just every week speak about Christ's love for you as well, but I do want you just to get a sense that Christ enjoys you, that you're His garden, that He walks amongst you, that you are sealed with the precious blood of Jesus, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and He never moves, He comes in to enjoy you, and I think if we get the revelation of that, Christ enjoys us, it might give us a yearness to enjoy Him there. They come to church, Ken, and that Christ wants to enjoy us being together and to walk freely amongst us and to see the fruit, and it's a special time. And sometimes I'm there and I kind of have to go. go up and say something next, and I'm stressed about whatever I say next, as far as a meeting gone. But the Spirit saying, I'm like, I'm sure God's looking at me with a stressed face and saying, just enjoy the moment, would you? Like, tch, 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 enjoy, I'm here, you're saved, you're sealed, I'm walking amongst you, I'm moving. It's yeah, not you saying the next thing, it's about Christ touching his people and enjoying the moments that we get together and hearing fajitas and enjoying Christ amongst the fajitas and the food because Christ was eating with his people. But I'll leave you with this picture. <coughs> Excuse me. I had to laugh. And I'll re- just read a description for the groom to the bride. Very descriptive. This is the voice of the groom to the bride, chapter seven. I'll read it out. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden? Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed, like a goblet filled with mixed wine. <coughs> Excuse me, I have been married for seventeen years kicking on. I have never ever said to Isabel, I love your feet in that sandals. Like you, your feet are just screaming out beauty. They're just my heart is skipping a beat. <laughs> Neither have I said, I mean Neville, correct me if I'm wrong, my right in saying it's a belly button. <laughs> Neither have I walked in and says, "Isabel, you're belly button today, I'm telling you." Singing that song, you do something to me. <laughs> somewhere deep within. Nobody sees belly buttons as attractive, do they? I mean, weird people walk amongst us. Could be found in here. Any or anooty in it, wouldn't it generally? But. You're not telling me that you have ever looked at anybody's belly button and thought, ooh, hot, stunning, look at our belly button, because I went up through school, <coughs> me and Mutch and McD never says, have you seen our belly button, man, that's fantastic, I'm going to ask you, we are, it's like a goblet you could fill away. If you do struggle with finding belly buttons attractive. And you come to my office on Monday, and I will work through addictions with people. (laughs) But if you come with me be prepared, I will laugh my head off at you, like just… Then I get offended. But the point is this. Even the things that we didn't see is beautiful for us, God, and He's pursuing desperate love for His people in a description of the bride says, even the feet, even the navel I'm describing is beautiful. And I look at my life and think, oh, maybe Jesus likes my preaching, and maybe hopefully He does. Can. But other things, i is not interested in that, I'm playing with my kids and having a laugh. My jovial sense of humor, i, I not interested in that, I'm interested in the fruit and the seriousness. Christ says, Look, you're my secret garden. And when I describe you to the angels, I see your hell being, and I see beauty And ah. The things you dare think's beautiful, oh Christ. Who oh, is created you and he formed you and he knit you together in your mother's womb, and now the Son and the things went on to Him. and the righteousness was imparted onto you, and as he describes you to the angels, he's just describing the hell being and said, Oh, I'm in love. With every bit of him, every part, the exposed parts, the hidden parts, and he comes and he walks amongst his secret garden. For he's sealed a fountain. He's got a promise and he walks amongst us. And he wants you to care and he enjoys you and loves you. And more than that, he's in love with you. And if you can get out. You will want to spend time with a Savior like that. You will want to spend time with a Jesus like that. You are not His gardener. But did you say in the parable of the vine? My Father's the gardener. He does the work. You're His garden. We come and enjoy. I'm going to ask a worship band to come up. I want us just to take a moment to enjoy Jesus. Enjoy Him. Let yourself enjoy them. I don't know, worry about the garment that's in a slow cooker and maybe an hour getting roasted. I don't worry about your Monday. Don't worry about the kids. Your kids is back at the first garden, the garden of Eden. Christ, God, hid his garden that he walked with people perfectly. Wee until he messed it up. Adam and Eve went into sin and messed up the garden thorns started growing, but God still wants His garden to walk in. But it's not a place that you will find in the Far East. It's you. You're His garden that He wants to walk with in the spring of the day speak to, and you can speak to Him and enjoy each other's company. I've said enough. I just hope you believe I'm saying, that He enjoys it. It's one of the most difficult truths faith truths to receive, I believe, after you become a Christian. The biggest thing is that Christ is your Savior. They one understands if it is to enjoy His presence. I don't think that's really necessarily a difficult thing to enter into because God's so beautiful and Christ is so beautiful. A big challenge is for you to see somebody Christ enjoys. And as I have learned through Song of Songs, the journey that I have been on the last few weeks, the pandemic was very tiring for a lot of us. But to come back to the place of so enjoying God's presence, just enjoy it. I want worry about one thing else, with the future of the church. The church will be okay. It's God's church. But just enjoy Him. At moments, He'll just sit at His feet, You don't even have to say too much. You just came that he's there. He hasn't moved. You may be moved. He's in his garden. And so, Christ, we thank you. I'm even going to ask you to come, Jesus. I'm going to thank you that you're here. Because it's a faith move. We thank you that you walk amongst us, you walk in us. Your description of us is so much higher than. We would think of ourselves, it would almost be boastful of us to say such a thing, but Christ, you boast our us. And so we receive your glance, we receive your love, receive your steadfastness. We thank you that somehow we join with a psalmist that says, what is man that you are mindful, O Ham, you could have set your affection upon anything, yet yeah, you thought it was worthy that we would enter into glory through your death and suffering. So in this moment, as we lift our praises, may we just enjoy the sweetness and your love and your tenderness. You walk amongst us as a friend, as a God, as a Savior. Let us feel your tender heart and your touch. Speak to us, but let us enjoy you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.